One, two, three. Welcome to the Smartest Amazon Seller Podcast. It's your host, Scott Needham. I've been an Amazon seller for over a decade now. And guess what? I keep learning stuff. That's why I'm excited about this podcast. Still four years into it because I get to meet people that can explain new things. And I'm very excited to the people that I have with me today. We got some ex-Amazon experience. We got some uh, large brand experience. So I've got with me two of the leaders of a uh, newish, well, we'll get their story, software and service company I derive. I've got Yuval and Andrew. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a bit about your background. Um, Yuval, you've worked with a, uh, a large brand on Amazon. You've been in the weeds. You've been in the, the weeds of the data. And so just give us a little bit about your background. And I'm excited, like, you know, some of the insights that you've already shared. Yeah, I've, I've worked most of my career on the analytics side, media management, intersection of understanding, hey, what's working in a business that drives growth? and doing more of that and less of the things that are wasteful. And I was pushed onto the Amazon business a number of years ago uh, against my will <laughs> because, you know, as often people get pushed into areas they don't have expertise in. And I was very clear to say, look, I'd never worked on Amazon. This is very different than omni-channel advertising. And please hire somebody with expertise there. And uh, leadership didn't want, didn't care. And they're like, no, no, you, you'll figure it out. And so it was the most painful experience in my life. Uh, it is very challenging. Uh, I was so excited about logging on to seller and vendor. I was a, you know, avid Amazon customer. And first time I logged in, I was very disappointed, right? The platform in of itself does not look like what you would expect, right? It's like going back two decades a little bit. It's very not friendly. I think a lot of people listening, like, they kind of know both of those feelings. One, the hesitation to like dive into something that does require certain levels of expertise. And then second, like that feeling like this platform's not perfect. You know, I'm not loving everything I see. But guess what? I am of the opinion that Amazon really is investing in Seller Central, tools that they're giving for sellers. I'm kind of shocked. I actually saw something today that I was like, oh, that's new. Some conversion compared to your competition on the ad side. It's just like one little thing. I was like, like I did not see that coming. And Andrew on the pod was a part of some of those incremental tools that Amazon is building. Andrew Tukey has Amazon experience. So give us a bit about your background. Yeah. Hi. Uh, my background at Amazon spans from helping launch, you know, fulfillment by Amazon in Canada back in 2012 to, you know, ultimately rolling out a number of brand experience tools. Um, so to kind of carry on with what you were saying, offering data transparency is really important to Amazon and empowering brands, you know, with data. And I think a great example of that was, you know, the launch of brand analytics and search query performance. I feel like those tools are so good that I'm like, Amazon, you should have done this a decade ago. Like, It's a win-win-win yeah. right? when you have empowerment with data. It has become one of the most interesting sources to first-party data. Nothing matches it. I work in the third-party data space. I've built Smart Scout and do that. And like, I, we can get some insights, but 
you know, first party data is, is, is so powerful. And so, you know, you worked on those for a number of years from, from Amazon's perspective. And yeah, and, and building upon, you know, trying to add additional levers. So, you know, manage your customer engagement where you can actually send emails to your customers, you know, A-B testing through the managed experiments, um, you know, is a big step forward with really empowering brands. And um, so it does go beyond advertising. That is the cutting edge of tools that Amazon's building right there. Those, those experiences where I feel like, okay, things are moving. You know, we actually have a number of Canadian sellers that listen to the podcast, you know, so I didn't expect to jump into this, but like, what was that like from the ground up? Like, that's kind of unique to Canada. Like, were there any like, just like, you're like, only this could happen in Canada. <laughs> well, Canada certainly is a, is a tough geography from a logistics, you know, standpoint. Um, and I think, you know, first we launched in, you know, Mississauga and, and Delta, so really trying to cover such a vast geography, I would often have to remind, you know, non-Canadians, you know, just about the perspective of, you know, sure, it has the population of California, but this is spread out in very rural, vast, you know, difficult to reach areas. So um, obviously there's, you know, the challenge on speed and cost to get there. But, you know, one of my favorite parts was really doing warehouse tours, getting to show in, in Canada it was open to the public. And, and certainly to our, you know, sellers to be able to do those tours. So that was a lot of fun. I mean, obviously you have to comply with steel toe boots in Canada, but I hope you weren't in charge working there in 2020 during COVID. We launched in 2012 and 2013 was really a, a skyrocket year where, you know, Amazon Canada grew um, to become the marketplace it is today, where it launched 14 new categories in a year and, and launched Prime in 2013 as well. Um, so that really put it on on the map. And 2015 was back in the U.S. launching Seller Fulfilled Prime, which is you know a, a different program uh, that's that's back now. Yeah, no, it's another long conversation that's had its own history. I'm sure a portion of the listeners probably got Seller Fulfilled Prime and they got kicked off. <laughs> I was joking about Canada because I'm not sure if you were super aware, but like. Their FBA was just at a halt during COVID and a lot of weird things. If you were trying to get inventory serviced there, I think they even, you know, the Canadian government, I think even shut down some of the FBA centers for a little while. So yeah, um, that's what I say. I'm glad you weren't there during that time. Okay. Now that's a detour, but like what I, what I've like come to like hear and like what I wanted to focus the conversation on was like, your guys' experience running brands, you know, you've always got some experience with like a large supplements brand and that like, you know, first the focus was just ads. You think that's the, the end all be all, but like, you know, there's actually different competencies that brands need to hit the most important stuff. So Yuval, can you uh, copy the next step of your background and how like that's come to like some of the positions that you think now. Yeah, I, I think what's interesting about Amazon, if you got one product, things are, are relatively manageable. And as your product skew count begins to grow and you begin to operate in multiple subcategories, complexity increases as well. And that's where things become kind of challenging. Amazon's created an amazing platform that's the richest in data. And so when, when I joined the, the company I worked for, the focus was on growth and the mindset was all around advertising, that the way to grow is through 
optimizing your ads. And that's kind of the obvious area. And what we learned over time with that already a lot of sellers know is if, if your core business isn't in a healthy spot, uh, then your, your ads aren't going to be able to perform. It's just like the human body in a way, right? Like if, if you're not healthy, then you're not going to be able to perform very well, you know, and run as fast mm -hmm. as you, you could possibly, even if you get great shoes. So what types of things are you thinking? Like what makes up there? We're talking content, inventory, availability. So they all add up, right, to giving out. But it starts with having product in stock, right? If you keep going out of stock on a regular basis and aren't able to get your product to Amazon, that, that's already an issue, right? Your ads start, they stop, you begin to build sales momentum, and then you lose digital shelf presence, and you lose your traction and your, your footing in comparison to your competitors. Then you've got all the operational issues as it relates to managing your business on Amazon, maintaining a high buy box, making sure you've got a good strategy dealing with resellers and things along those lines that can really impact what I would say your sales velocity and your pricing strategy, especially when you're selling in an omni-channel context. And of course, there's the obvious things like your listing quality, your SEO optimization, and your A-plus content. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you don't have those in a good place, then your ads are going to be compromised and you're going to be very less efficient than you could possibly be. Yeah. So there's a word I first heard it, let's say three years ago, and I hear it more. Sometimes it feels like almost like a made up. No, it's just like, it's like a, it's a big word. And in the context of ads, that's incrementality. So when you think of incrementality, you know, this big word, you're thinking of like, what can you do that creates like, you know, a growth curve of sorts where like what you do today is scalable and that the, the business kind of just has more, some, some organic growth kind of built in. Yeah. Yeah. So incrementality is, you know, and maybe we should define what incrementality is first, uh, because it, in many ways you don't see it much in the reporting and incrementality is if I add an extra dollar or an extra $10, how many more additional sales am I going to generate through my business, right? By making that investment. And every report that you're looking at Amazon doesn't actually measure incrementality. It gives you an attribution which says, hey, the ad had an impact or had a touch point. But if somebody was already going to buy your product and clicked on your ad, you're seeing a three or four ROAS on this campaign. That doesn't mean you got incremental sales, right? And so when you're looking at your ROAS, it's a combination of sales that you would have gotten already and a portion that is incremental. But the report gives you that average Right, when you're looking at campaign manager or whatever app platform you might be working with, what it doesn't give you is what is the cost of those incremental customers you generated in the short term, in the medium term, and in long term. Okay. But I mean, some of those feel almost kind of impossible to know. Like, would they have bought already? Where's that data point? <laughs> right. So it is, in a way, you can think that it's impossible to know. There's a lot of mechanisms in advertising to measure incrementality. Right. The, the most cleanest way to measure it is an A-B test where you have an exposed audience and a non-exposed audience and you look at the behavior change, right? And the behavior change is the incremental impact of the ad. Now, you don't have that in sponsored search. I think that in DSP, that is something that does exist and that will become more common. Sponsored search today, that doesn't exist. And so the question becomes, well, how do I figure out what my incrementality is? You have so many data points. Amazon is such a rich data rich environment that gives you visibility into your sales rank, 
gives you visibility into. Yeah, go ahead. But I do think does Amazon Marketing Cloud show you? It shows you people who have seen an ad, people who haven't. Okay, so that's probably like the only place that you could actually start approaching that. Yeah, so I think to take a step back, you have to begin to stitch all your data from different sources, right? So, seller or vendor will give you your top line sales. Campaign manager will give you your ad attributed sales. Amazon Marketing Cloud will begin to segment that between new to brand and repeat customers. Um, Amazon also uh, Marketing Cloud has a, a subscription component that gives you visibility to your organic conversions. So with all these data points, uh, you're now able to begin to segment essentially your ad-driven revenue by new versus repeat as well as understanding who are these people that are converting and begin to build a model around incrementality, which is where do I see where I put more dollars in ads, both my top line move, not just my media revenue, right? What we were seeing often on our brands that we were running is that media revenue would go up, but total sales wouldn't, which means organic sales would be cannibalized. And so the model that we're looking at is, I don't want to cannibalize my organic sales. I want to drive incremental sales. That's the ideal investment scenario from an ad standpoint. Yeah. I think another layer to like throw at this to help us understand, I mean, like the easiest is to like, is like branded traffic. You know, the person that is searching for Nike shoes and they buy Nike shoes, like we know that like, if you advertise on Nike, you're not, you're not like, you're not expanding your pie. But if you, someone searches basketball shoes and they end up buying Nike, at least we have like a, a reference that like, okay, this is like, this can be incremental, but you actually, I think the way that you have been talking, even on that, the, that basketball shoes term, you want to still figure out is there incremental sales happening here? Absolutely. I mean, what we've noticed is not all the sales that cannibalize organic necessarily come from branded terms, right? Somebody that's looking for, I'm just going to make up a, a product, you know, vitamin C, maybe already has in mind which product they're looking for. And they know that that product is, comes up organically in the top five, 10 products uh, in the search yeah. results. And therefore, doesn't take the time to write a longer description or they may just know a brand by its labeling. Like I search for stuff and I'm like, oh, I know that's the brand that I know. I don't know, know the name, but I know the brand. Exactly. Or a brand affinity, right? I, I, I'm aware of this brand. I like this brand. I have, it has high consideration for me. And therefore, I don't know the others. I'm going to go with, with this one, right? Yeah. And one, one way that we'll use Amazon Marketing Cloud is to fill in some of those you know, data gaps that are presented in Amazon advertising. So understanding a breakout between new to brand versus repeat purchase is really important to do on a campaign level. Um, but Amazon advertising does not provide that on sponsored products. It provides it on sponsored brands, sponsored display. Um, but you, you're, you're not able to see that breakout of new to brand versus repeat purchasers. Does Amazon Marketing Cloud give you new to brand organic? It does. It does. That actually, it's a paid feature on Amazon, but but it does. And it launched about a year ago. Had a lot of bugs into that with a lot of new features on Amazon. But it is pretty functional now, and it's it's amazing data. There is no other platform in the world 
that gives you visibility in the way that Amazon does. So that's a very unique, exciting feature. The problem that comes with that kind of data, you're adding complexity in the analytical framework to optimize your business. You know? Does Amazon Marketing Cloud, like when I usually, when I look into it, talk about it, think about it, I'm like, this is for serious advertisers. It kind of has a, a level of difficulty. What about like, or do you think like, no, a hobbyist can jump in and learn a few things? Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I have a lot of respect for small sellers. Uh, that is the backbone of what Amazon was built on. If you think about it, it's transformed people's lives and their economic situation. And, you know, as we think about these tools and you think about where Amazon is evolving, it's becoming a more competitive space, a more complex space to operate. And it, it does make you worry about the less sophisticated sellers. The answer to your question is, is it only for sophisticated sellers? It was designed in a way that made it so. But over time, as tools get built on top of that by companies like ours, we try to democratize and level the playing field. And that's really important, right? Because it is a terrifying thought to, to think that Amazon's going to get, you know, just owned by the large brands and the most sophisticated players. And so there's a way to rebalance that by making sure these tools get built with outcomes in mind, right? So you don't, you don't need to be a mechanic to get your car fixed. Interesting. Uh, I haven't jumped in Amazon Marketing Cloud and like this conversation actually kind of makes me want to more because I think there's a lot of, I don't know, I think it, it's like, okay, I think you might be able to get insights in your product that you just didn't, you couldn't get in in any other way. That's, that's it. Yeah. It's additional set of data points, I would say. A lot of companies, agencies, Amazon, they make it sound like it's an end destination, that it's got the holy grail. It doesn't. It enriches certain data points that you didn't have before. And if you bring those data points into the existing understanding of your business, you now will have what I'd say is a, a greater focus on exactly where your opportunities are, right? Okay. Uh, you'll be able to answer questions that you couldn't before and therefore generate incremental revenue or eliminate waste. Yeah, like one example is, you know, looking at which campaigns are not only driving, you know, new customer acquisition, but really which one of those are, you know, driving the most lifetime value of new new customers. So it truly is new to brand, not just a customer acquisition, but it's incremental to your total customers. And we're able to measure, you know, what drives both the short term and the long term you know, profitability and, and lifetime value. Andrew, that, that's a great example. You know, in, in marketing and omnichannel dynamic, there's always this question of, is the lifetime value of a media-driven customer different than a organically driven customer? Because of some of the components that you mentioned, Scott, like the awareness of the brand, the consideration, the loyalty is different. When you say media, like, are you thinking like, you know, advertising? This may be a sidestep, but like my gut reaction tells me it's actually the most valuable new customer is a referral from an existing customer. Absolutely. Well, from an acquisition cost as well. In the context of Amazon, you know, when I refer to media, it, it really is at the end of the day, PPC spend because that's kind of a bottom funnel dynamic. Somebody's looking for a solution, it's a very specific one, and you are paying to elevate your position and, and make sure you're visible. It's certainly not brand building from that standpoint, right? Yeah. I don't want to derail the conversation, but like, I'm just thinking through, I'm like that Amazon is building more of the uh, social components to 
Amazon. That's why they have Amazon Live and their new Inspire tool. So like, you know, there's so many touch points that helpful for a brand. You know what it is, Scott? It feels like you're walking into a garage and you've got more tools than you need. And the hard part becomes, well, which one are relevant for me, right? And they're not always, depending on the car you have, you need a certain set of tools. They're not always the same ones as a different type of car. You're leading me exactly like what I was about to ask you. I was like, because I think a lot of your things that you've been working on are this this uh, challenge that you had um, as a brand operator, as the data guy of like, okay, well, what's the next best thing we should be doing? What is, you know, you feeling like you're always behind on like, I mean, I get that feeling as I work on my business at the end of the day. I'm like, did I do the best thing today? You know, did I work on what will make an impact? Yeah. And I got to tell you, the brand I worked for, we had 2,000 ASINs on Amazon, you know, 7,000 SKUs on each channel. And the first year and a half there were the toughest years of my life because it, it, we were not set up to succeed, right? It, it felt like we were failing every day because as long as you leave opportunity on the table and you don't know what you don't know, because you have such a big portfolio, you feel like you're behind and you're not delivering the results that are optimal. And so that pain that we experienced and you know, feeling like we're all continuously under delivering is what led us to kind of build a solution here for ourselves, which is let me identify all the high value elements that are impacting my business, whether it's operational, financial, or from an advertising standpoint, and quantify those in terms of the impact it has on my business. Now I have a, a, a method by which I can make sure I prioritize my work and go after the most impactful things that have a beneficial outcome or, or limit the negative outcome. I'll give you a most basic example. We were advertising products because of our portfolio was so large that had negative contribution margin right? And we didn't know. And so we're like, oh, the ROAS looks great. Let's keep advertising more. Turns out we were losing money by adding more ads and had, had lost that visibility. Now, if you're a brand that's got two products, you know exactly where your profitability is. That will never happen to you, right? You know exactly what it is. But when you got 2,000 products, that's, you do not, you know, and those cogs are changing, right? Because you're a larger company and direct materials are changing with COVID dynamics. And so you need a mechanism by which you get that alert and you are able to see where you're gaining those losses, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, it's like, it's actually kind of hard to get your holistic profitability from Amazon. Andrew, you have to tell your colleagues that, be like, be like, hey guys, like, you know, you've done some great job, but like, we need to tell people if they're making money or not. Oh, trust me, Scott, uh, you know, as a Amazonian, I asked for brands cogs many a times, but uh, not too many were willing to, to give me their, their cost of goods sold on, uh, on their ASINs. So that's one advantage of working outside of Amazon is certainly, you know, our brands are able to entrust us with some of very sensitive information that they may not want to give to, to other companies. But being able to calculate profitability, like you said, is such a crucial part of not just optimizing ads, but optimizing, you know, what, how you're optimizing your overall catalog. You know, you don't just continuously launch new ASINs. Man, there's a lot of things you said there. It does, does Amazon have a China wall between their other divisions? And I, I think that's a debated issue still to this day. So Amazon is not building all this profitability stuff just simply because they can't. 
they're a, a partner that not everyone trusts in every aspect. We do a lot of collaboration with Amazon on different aspects uh, and joint projects. These Some of these things and the difficulties that sellers experience, well, I came to realize they're not done intentionally. Amazon's a very large company with silos uh, or different teams. And as a result of that, there are these gaps that get created. I mean, we're building a software platform and it's very difficult to satisfy the needs of every seller and vendor because they're not all the same. That's one of the reasons I've not wanted to build an inventory manager because I'm like, well, I guarantee you, if you get 10 users, they're going to all have 10 different ways that they want it to be. Yeah. A 2000 SKU supplement brand could not be more different than let's say like a small home furniture brand. They just think so differently where actually supplements, you do have a strong lifetime value built in. But without jumping into that, now let's finish on this idea about, you know, next best thing, what you should be doing. How do you build those insights? Is the next best thing today advertising or is it inventory forecasting? Or simply like a profitability, like improvement. Yeah, you know, and so, you know, as we went to try to solve for this, <laughs> what's interesting about that is there isn't a one answer for every seller, right? Some sellers are struggling with profitability. Others are really struggling with fill rates and inventory management and forecasting. And so as we're looking at building these solutions, we quickly realized, you know, there are common themes of pain points, but you need to have a solution that's looking at some of those critical elements, each one independently, to be able to quantify that and provide a solution towards that. And so when we talk about the next best thing, the next best thing is in relationship to your business and what your business is going through from an operational standpoint, advertising standpoint, you know, product issues and financial issues, and then evaluating, you know, when you start running those models against your business, where do we see the biggest opportunity, right? Some brands are wasting a lot of money on advertising. Some are overspending, some are underspending, but most brands are wasting a lot of money in the wrong places. Others might have a real serious issues with buy box management and inventory management. And there's no point in having a deep conversation about ads until you fix your, the fundamentals of your business to allow it to kind of really build strong momentum. And I'll add on for that too, Scott, is like, you know, we've built kind of like the tools that we've always wanted to drive, which is let's say you only have an hour in your, you know, to look at your brand and try to make a decision, you know, what are the hacks or the shortcuts that could save a lot of time and analyze a lot of data for you and surface to you using things like sales variance models that will just, you know, quickly show you what are the, what are the actual movers and shakers in your business? And then we use data science models to try to sort of derive, you know, what are the, the primary causes that fundamentally drove this change in your business? How much of it was attributed to the buy box or attributed to seasonality or attributed to your pricing or your ads, right? So you can understand what is really having the most sensitivity to that relationship and what should you be spending your next hour on trying to, you know, execute and take action on. So like you all said, it's, very different brands. Just to help people, I mean, like, I know that you guys have worked on a lot of different components with your software. What's a good way to understand it? Is this like an ERP, like a full solution, like, you know, uh, Amazon brand management? I think you say that there's some omni-channel capabilities. How would you guys position it? 
Yeah, we are an omni-channel solution. So from, if you think about just Amazon's channel, you know, you have Seller Central, Vendor Central, Amazon Advertising, Amazon Marketing Cloud, just those data sources that we talked about there. Um, you know, what we do is consolidate all of those data sources, synthesize that data, you know, clean it to where you can look at your data as one catalog across all of your sales channels. So we have an omni-channel dashboard with models that help you see what's really fueling your overall business across channels. And then we've built a lot of views within each one of those channels. So with Amazon, there's one P versus three P there. And I guess one way to think about it is we provide insights into sales performance. We provide insights into your financial performance from a, a portfolio standpoint at the ASIN level or the product level. Provide material insight around your marketing performance. What's more incremental? What's driving more new to brand? Those type of aspects. And we also provide a perspective around market share. And the reason why we really pulled market data is, you know, coming from the supplement category with COVID, where we were growing 80%, the category was growing 80%, and we were so happy, oh my God, we're growing 40% this year. Well, it turns out we were losing market share, even though we were growing 40%. So, you know, you need to have a perspective on what's happening in the marketplace to really better understand, hey, am I doing well or not well? You can't tell that from your, just your revenue and your ROAS. Yeah. Awesome. Well, you guys sound busy and, you know, definitely like your guys' experience will give a lot of insights into what you're building. I'm excited to see where you guys end up, what gets the most traction. So your company is called iDerive. What's the best way to, you know, either ask you guys questions, get a hold of you or get their hands on something? Yeah. The best way you can go to our website, iDerive, it's I-D-E-R ive.com. You can sign up for free demo there where we'll jump on a meeting with you. So yeah, I look forward to hopefully also showcasing a little bit more on our LinkedIn. We are running, you know, webinars and putting out content on LinkedIn. Okay. And so that's Andrew Tukey, the ex-Amazonian, and then Yuval. How do you say your last name? Peltier? Peltier, you got it. All right. Okay. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on and uh, keeping the uh, conversation nerdy, elevated, and very uh, detailed focused. So it was a good time. And that'll be the pod. I will see everyone on the next episode. Take care. One, two, three.